Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you, worship team. Oh. So good to sing to our God. Hey, guys, uh, good afternoon now. Pretty close, I guess. My name is Jason Doman. I'm one of the pastors here at Alpine Church. Uh, I'm so just thankful to, to be here at Layton. Uh, I was here just three weeks ago, so I don't know what you guys did to get me twice in that period of time. You must have been naughty. Uh, so... We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Hey, before I get started on this, I did just want to throw out a reminder. If you've been coming for the past few weeks, you've probably seen the giving wall outside on the wall. We just want to remind everybody, uh, Layton Campus was my home campus for a lot of years, um, but Syracuse is my home campus now. And so to, to see this, this whole proje- project come to fruition, if, if, if you've been here for a while, for, for years now, this, this, this Syracuse building has been a thing. Okay, like there's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenges, a lot of roadblocks along the way. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we announced we finally have a building. We closed on a building in Syracuse. We're going to have a home, but with that comes expenses, of course, uh, and so that's, that's what the giving wall is for. So if you've already given, you've taken a card, or even if you gave before that, thank you so much for that. You guys, Syracuse is going to explode. When we get a building, when that's up and going, Syracuse is going to blow up. They are hungry for the gospel out there, and I can't wait to see what happens. So thank you if you've already given to that. If you haven't had a chance yet, stop by the giving wall. Do it with your kids. If you have kids, just let them pull a tag. Hopefully they pull the 100. Let, like just, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Just leave it up to chance, and we'll see where it goes. But uh, we're just so grateful for, for you guys and everything you do. Leighton will start it in a similar way uh, to what we're doing with, with Syracuse now. So we're just excited to see how God is going to grow his kingdom out in Syracuse. Um, all right, let's, let's get into today's message. We are surprised in the book of Mark. Uh, nine months in now, we are in chapter 10, and I, I, I'm really excited about um, today's message. I think this is just such a unique and, and cool story. And so uh, we'll be, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52 is where we'll be focusing. And I, you guys, I pride myself on being like pretty witty sometimes, every once in a while, right? I, I, I think of, 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 I missed, it's opening season NFL today. And I somehow did not connect off the sidelines to that, and I missed a great opportunity to tell a great joke, and so I just, I, I apologize to the first service, um, I, just, I just completely missed that. So, so welcome, we're glad you're here on opening Sunday weekend, go Raiders. <laughs> Listen, I'll stab you in the parking lot when we're done, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Pastor or not, like, don't come at me with that Broncos jersey, all right, I saw one earlier, and I, we made eye contact, I know, I know. So here we are, off the sidelines is, a, is, our, is our, our message for today, and we're going to be looking at uh, another one of Jesus' miracles. And here's the thing with Mark, okay? Mark is the shortest gospel, and Mark is really about getting to the point. So we don't often get a lot of details in Mark's stories. He's really just about getting us to Jesus, which is the point, right, but then telling us about Jesus, but we don't often get a lot of, a lot of details. Back in, in verse one, he kind of, or in chapter one, he kind of, he set this up, but this, this is the way it's going to be, and it said, in verse, in chapter one, it says, so Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, right, so super broad, super vague, just that, like, he healed lots of people, and they had lots of different sicknesses, okay, and so that, that's, that Mark sets up his gospel, that's the way it's going to be, there's not going to be a whole lot of details going in, into it, but every once in a while, Mark will choose, out, choose to single out a particular story, right? He's going to choose to give us a little more detail about it that's going to allow us to dig in, and that's what he does in this story. 
And so those details, a lot of times, they, they, they tell us more about Jesus, but they also tell us about the person who's involved in that story. And really what it shows us is there's, there's some, something deeply personal about the way Jesus interacts with people, about the way Jesus interacts with us. And so in this case, Jesus, he's going to heal a blind man, and the blind, man, blind, the blind man's name is Bartimaeus, okay? And his name means son of Timaeus. And I love that Mark gives us the guy's name here. I love that he, he takes it to, because what that, it shows us that this, this isn't just some random dude, right? Like this, this isn't just some guy. He's an individual with a story, with a life, with a background, with a history, with relationship, with, with hopes. His dad's name is Timaeus. He's a son, he belongs to a family, and so Mark is letting us in on something here and, and, and challenging us to dig in and see what's really going on in this story. And so the question for today that I want you guys to think about is, is what's keeping you on the sidelines? What is keeping you on the sidelines? And Jesus' interaction with Bartimaeus here, it's really a message for people who have lost their purpose in life. People who have lost their, their, their focus, people who have lost their joy and their hope. And maybe they're, they're, they're feeling sidelined, they're feeling worthless, they're feeling stuck in, in bondage to, to sin or to addiction. So if that's you, like if that's where you feel that you're somewhere in there today, like please pay particular attention to how Jesus interacts with this blind man. Because there's something unique in here for those of us who are struggling with that. But what, what, is, it, what is it for you? Maybe you're not in that place now, but maybe you've been there before. Most of you know uh, I, I, I didn't grow up a believer. I grew up here in Utah. Uh, I belong to a different faith, and in, in that faith, they uh, not require, but they, they would like you to give two years of your life to go out and share what you believe around the world. And for me, my particular place in the world was, was London, England, uh, which was cool for a lot of different reasons. And that's, that's a whole long story, but what happened when I was out there because of uh, some medical issues, I came home and, and I had surgery. And I was home, did my surgery, and then uh, I, I recovered for a month, and then I was ready to go back out to England. Well, the church leaders at the time, they, they had a different idea. They wanted to send me to Ohio. And no offense if you're from Ohio, But England, Ohio, <laughs> I, again, I'm just, I, the reason I'm telling you guys this story is because I was angry. I was angry. I didn't understand. I didn't agree. I wasn't on board with what was happening. And so I very quickly sidelined myself. I very quickly pull, pulled myself away. And, and for, honestly, guys, for all of us, it's probably not too difficult to think of a time where we've been angry at God where we haven't really understood, we haven't agreed with the way he's doing things, right, because we, we always know better. But it's not hard for us to think back and, and remember a time like, yeah, I remember being angry at God. And so you know how quickly you can lose your focus, how quickly you can lose your hope. And again, maybe, maybe right now that's, that's you. And so again, pay attention to, to what Jesus does here in this particular situation. But it's not just for those of us who are struggling right now. The story has something for all of us. Ultimately, Bartimaeus is in a, an extremely difficult circumstance. Okay, he's blind. Okay, but 
his response to Jesus is a lesson for, for all of us. And it's a lesson about wholeheartedly expecting Jesus to do what he says he will do. Okay, so let's, let's, let's get into this, this story, this, this blind beggar, okay? So Bartimaeus, he's, he's got a lot going against him. He's sidelined because of, of his circumstances, right? He's, he's blind. And, and today, like, being blind would still be such an extremely difficult situation to live in. Like, I take my eyesight for granted so much. I, I know that I do. This isn't a sick flex, okay? But I have 20-10 vision. So I see everything that's happening right now. Like, if you're, if you're closing your eyes, I know. I'm going to call you out, okay? But I take that for granted, and I, like, man, I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I would live life without sight. But today, because of, of modern medicine and science and technology, like, there's ways that somebody who has lost their sight can still function in life. They can still have a pretty healthy life, right, and do lots of things. Back then, to be blind would have basically been a death sentence. Like, think about it. They, like, he would have been 100% completely reliant on those around him. But he's been left on the side of the road. He's blind and, and he's a beggar. He doesn't have, so he, he, he has nothing to go on. There's no possible way he could provide for himself, let alone a family. So really he's just there and, and, and hoping for the generosity of those who pass by. So let's, let's see what happens here. Mark chapter 10, verse 40, beginning in verse 46. It says, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, we're going to dig into this a little bit, so a few things that I want to point out, a few things that I want us to notice here. The first thing is, is when he heard that Jesus was nearby, he began to shout. He just hears that this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, is close by, and he begins to shout. And I, and I think this speaks like to a combination of desperation and hope. Right? He's, he's got the, the, these two emotions growing in him, and so he begins to shout and so Bartimaeus, he would have been surrounded, like there would have been other people there who were, you know, blind or deaf, uh, lepers, like they would have been just surrounded by other broken people who had basically just accepted their lot in life, who had just kind of given up hope. And, and, and Bartimaeus, he's here, and he's filled with belief. When Jesus shows up, his, his desperation is, it's changed into hope. The second thing I want us to notice is, is what he shouts he shouts, have mercy on me. Right? He's basically saying, take, take pity on me, Jesus. And Bartimaeus, he, he would have been pretty familiar with being pitied, right, just because of, of his situation. But the pity of, of, of the passerbys, the people just walking by, when they did show pity, it was minimal and it was temporary. Right? It, it would have just been temporary. But when he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is there, he's, he, he knows this is the one person who can truly help him. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth is, is, is close by. He, he knows that this is the one person, but how does he know that? How does he know that, that Jesus can help him? How do we know that Jesus can actually help us? Well, we know he knew because this third thing that I want to point out is he calls him the son of David. 
He calls out to him. He yells, son of David. This is a, a messianic title, right? David was this iconic leader, this iconic ruler in Israel's history who won battle after battle against his enemies. He had a heart for God. The Bible says that David was a, a man after God's own heart. But there's prophecies about David. And the prophecies tell us that, that, that David, a descendant of David is going to arise and he's going to be an even greater leader than David was. And that his rule would never end. His rule would last forever. And so Bartimaeus, he, he knows what the Bible says and he's starting to connect the dots. Right? These things that are starting to fall into place for him. Everything that he had heard about Jesus of Nazareth, it's, it's being confirmed in his mind that Jesus really is who he says he is. And he's understanding why he could do what Bartimaeus wanted him to do. Now, I've, I experienced something fairly similar to this when I, when I first came to Alpine. I'd been, I'd been on the sideline for years. I had all kinds of doubts and questions and, and fears, things that I didn't understand. See, God had set me years ago on that that situation that I, that I talked about, God had set me on a path that would eventually lead me to being in a relationship with him. And that path, it culminated right here in this very room. And I'll never forget, Pastor Brian was teaching, he was on stage and he said something about Jesus being God. And I, it was just one of those, wait, what? Right, it was just one of those moments. That's not who I, Jesus wasn't God to me. That's not what I grew up believing. And all of a sudden, all these things, all these questions that I had, all these things that didn't add up, they didn't make sense, they started falling into place. Wait a second, if Jesus is God, then that makes sense how this, 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 right? And all these things, and, 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 and everything just started to click for me. And when I finally realized who Jesus is, it changed everything for me. Do you know who Jesus is? Because who you believe Jesus is matters. What you believe about Jesus matters. And that's why we talk about Jesus so much. Like Jesus is our hope. He is the answer to our needs. And, and look, maybe you don't know a lot about Jesus. Maybe you're, you're fairly new to, to this whole Christianity thing. You're fairly new to the Bible. That's okay. That's okay. We're glad you're here today. But I want to encourage you, continue to learn, continue to grow, continue to get into God's word and read about who he is and who he says you are. Continue to hit your knees in prayer. Find a, a small group to join. Find a Bible study group. Get a mentor. Get somebody to come alongside of you and walk through your faith journey. But continue to grow and, and, and learn about Jesus. And I promise you, those, those dots, they will start to connect. And out of that will emerge hope a hope that only Jesus can give. So that's, that's the third thing. The fourth thing I want to point out is, is that the crowd tried to silence him. Right? He, he's, he's clearly in need, but when he cries out for Jesus to help, the, the crowd shushes him. The, the, the crowd tries to, to shut him down. Right? In verse 46, it says that a large crowd was following Jesus, and every single person in that crowd wanted something from Jesus on some level. Either they just wanted to hear him speak, they wanted to hear what he would say, they wanted to hear him teach, or maybe they, they wanted something from him. Maybe they needed healing. But everybody, every person in that crowd needed something from Jesus on some level, and I think that the reaction of this crowd is a little bit of a warning to us. 
a little bit of a warning to, to, to people of faith. Because I think what we see is, is just this warning of, of let us not be the reason that other people who need Jesus can't get to him. Let us not be the stumbling block or the roadblock that's preventing somebody who needs Jesus from getting to him. I think that's what we see with this crowd. That's, that's kind of why we get this detail here. Like this is a, a warning to us. So I want to dig in a little bit more about uh, into Bartimaeus' response to Jesus, okay? Uh, in, the, in the greater story, in the, in the greater flow of, of the story here, Jesus, he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And Mark talks about this, this particular journey a lot throughout his gospel, okay? And so in, 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 chapter, or in verse 1, in chapter 10, it says that he leaves Capernaum. Okay, Capernaum is in, in the region of Galilee. It's just, just north of Palestine, Okay, and, and that's where a lot of Jesus' ministry took place. That's where he, he did a lot of his, his work. And then we read that he's headed down to Judea. And Judea is the, the region where Jerusalem is located. Okay, so he's on his way to Jerusalem, and on his way to Jerusalem, he comes to Jericho. And Jericho is where he runs into Bartimaeus. J- Jerusalem is about another day's journey from Jericho. Okay, so that's where, where this is, is taking place. And the question is, like, why, Mark keeps bringing up this journey. Why does he keep talking about this this particular journey, and I think we learned a lot about it last week. In verse 33, it said, Jesus said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and they will sentence him to die. That's why this journey matters. This is the final time that that Jesus will travel to Jerusalem, and he he tells his disciples all about this, this, this suffering that he would endure. I remember the disciples were kind of idiots like, like we are there. Like, I'm sorry you're going to suffer, Jesus, but can you do us a favor? Right, that's... So this, this had to be heavy on Jesus' mind. He knows what's coming. He knows exactly where he's heading and what's about to take place. So this has to be weighing heavy on Jesus' mind. So with that in our mind, let's, let's go back into the story. In verse 49, it says, When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said, come on, he's, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. I want to I wanna see. Now again, in this passage, because we're digging into this, there's a, there's a few things I want to point out, a few things I want you guys to notice. Jesus heard Bartimaeus, and, and he stops, and he, he sends for him. Remember, he's on his way to his most difficult trial, the most difficult trial. Not just for, like, in the world. Like, no, none of us have ever faced this, what Jesus is about to face. So the, the, the most difficult, he's on his way to face this, this thing, and he hears this man's cry. And he, he takes time to, to go aside and to answer Bartimaeus's plea. And when we, when, we, when we see this in the light of where Jesus is heading, it reminds us that Jesus isn't just about physical healing. Jesus is about spiritual healing. He's about healing us from our sin. And you don't have to be part of the religious crowd to be noticed by Jesus. Even a blind beggar left on the side of the road, ignored and neglected by everybody else, is still noticed by Jesus. Now we read about another incident 
uh, elsewhere in the Gospels where Jesus healed a different blind man, a man who was born blind. And as we read about that story, they, they're, they're talking about what, what must his parents have done? What were the sins of his parents? What did they do that caused him to be blind? You guys, religious as religious people, we can be so judgmental. We can, and not just about other people, but about ourselves too. Right, because how often do we think that our situation that we're stuck in, whatever the circumstances is that we're dealing with, is because of something we did? That we upset God, and so now we're being punished. What must I have done for God to do this to me? Like, that's a form of judgment. We're putting the judgment on ourselves. And so it's not just about being judgmental against other people. We do it to ourselves as well. And Jesus, he shows us that that's not how it works. That isn't, that isn't how it works. You guys, have you ever thought about karma? <laughs> Karma's not a thing. Jesus blesses or pulls away as he sits, as he's fit. Good things happen to bad people all the time, and bad things happen to good people all the time. It's not repayment. It's not judgment. You're not, God doesn't reward you for your good behavior. Jesus says that that's not how it works. His invitation to you is, is to come and see what he can do. And you don't, have to, you don't have to clean your life up first. You don't have to get your act together. You don't have to be part of the religious in crowd. It's an open invitation. And as you come to him, and as you open up to Jesus with, with your needs, he will change you. He will do work in your life. So why did Jesus tell the crowd to send a message to Bartimaeus, why not just go over and heal him? Right? Jesus isn't caught off guard here. He's not shocked. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly who Bartimaeus is. He knows that he's a blind man. So why doesn't Jesus go to him? I would argue I think that Jesus may be trying to teach the crowd something, those who are following him, because they, they, had, they had tried to silence Bartimaeus. They didn't take him or his needs seriously. For them, he was just in the way, right? He was just something in the way, and so they shut him down. So, so by his actions, what Jesus does here is he very, he very quietly rebukes the crowd, letting him know that he doesn't see the same thing they see. He doesn't see us the same way we see each other. Jesus sees the heart. He sees things completely differently than how we do. And he's letting the crowd know that by bringing Bartimaeus to him. The second thing I want to point out in this passage here is, is how Bartimaeus addressed Jesus. He calls him my rabbi. That's literally Rabboni is the term that he uses, and it means great master, okay? So he's, he, he, he knows exactly who Jesus is. He knows Jesus is the Messiah. He calls him the son of David, when he meets him face to face, he calls him Rabboni. It's not just this, this abstract greeting. Okay? It is, it's a very personal, very, very real surrender to the Messiah, and not just to his help, but to his authority. He understands the, the authority that, that Jesus carries. Now, this third thing I want to point out, I think, to me, this is, this is the coolest part of the story, you guys. And I'm sure a lot of you, like I've done in the past, just kind of glanced right past this, just, just skipped right over it. But it says Bartimaeus threw aside his coat when he ran to Jesus. 
If you're a blind beggar, you don't just throw things aside. You keep your stuff very close. You keep it near and dear to you. So he didn't, he didn't set it down somewhere like next to a pillar or something like that he could fill around later and find it. He didn't hand his coat to someone and ask them to hold it for him. You guys don't miss this. This is, this is beautiful what happens. He throws aside his coat. And all he cares about is getting to Jesus. That's it. That shows the hope that he has, the faith that he has. Bartimaeus' attitude, it really sets us up for an attitude of expectancy. Is that me? <laughs> this, this, this attitude of expectancy, right? Like we, sometimes we get so complacent with God we get so mired down in our own struggles and the things that are going on in our life that we're too busy to hear him calling to us. Because he is, he's calling to every single one of us, just like he called to Bartimaeus. And we've got so much going on, there's so many interruptions and so many things going on in our life that we miss Jesus calling out to us. Bartimaeus' attitude, it, it shows us that he trusted in who Jesus is. 700-ish years before this takes place, okay, the prophet Isaiah, he told us what Jesus would do when he came. Isaiah 35, verses 4 and 5. It says, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. Bartimaeus knows this. And that's why he's bold enough to tell Jesus, I want to see. I know who you are. I know what you can do. I want to see. When you know who Jesus is, you don't have to be timid to ask. When you know who Jesus is and what he can do for you, you don't have to be timid to ask. But some of us are timid people, right? And some of us even feel hopeless. Some of us, we don't, we don't know, we don't feel worthy. We don't know if we can approach God. And Jesus shows us right here that we can. We can. And you get to approach him exactly how you are. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be at the top of the religious food chain. It doesn't matter what your condition is, physically or spiritually. Jesus came to seek and to save people who are lost who are broken, who are in need. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they don't, they don't even realize their own need. They don't see that about themselves, right? They don't have a physical setback, a physical limitation like blindness. And so they don't see their, their need for a savior. They don't see the real condition that they're stuck in. Maybe you're someone, you have money, you have success, you have status, you have friends. Great, good for you. Every single one of those things can be lost like that. Gone. And not only that, none of those things go with you when this life ends. You can have everything that this world has to offer, every piece of this world. That doesn't mean you don't need Jesus. 
when the wheels come off in your life, when the wheels have come off in your life, remember Jesus is still calling you. Jesus still hears your plea. Jesus still hears your cries. So what did, what did he do? What did Jesus do? How did he respond to Bartimaeus' request? I think by now our 10th chapter into Mark, we, we know, right? We know what Jesus is going to do. Mark 10, 52. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So Jesus heals him, and instantly the man can see. Like, how amazing would it have been to be there for this? Not just to be Bartimaeus, but to just be present in the crowd and see what Jesus just did. Like, all of these miracles that he's performing, everything that he did throughout his ministry, like, how incredible to be there to see this take place. And right here, Jesus, he proves that he was the Messiah. And he proves that he cares about Timaeus' son. That he's not just some dude on the side of the road who's blind and is begging and has no hope. He cares about Bartimaeus and he stops to hear his plea and he stops to heal him. And he meets Bartimaeus where he's at and then he meets his needs. But what about, what about Bartimaeus' response? It says he followed Jesus down the road. So in verse 46, when we meet Bartimaeus, he's on the side of the road, blind, beggar, no hope, no way to care for himself, no ability, right? And then just a few verses later in verse 52, he's full of hope, he's full of sight, and he's following Jesus down the road. Think about, think about what this change means. Right? He goes from an outsider to an insider, he goes from a bystander on the sidelines to a disciple. He goes from brokenness to purpose. And then he follows Jesus on the road to where? To the cross. So let's go back to the, the question we started with. What's keeping you on the sidelines? Are you disappointed with God? Are you angry at God? Are you overwhelmed by circumstances in your, in, in your life? Are you, are you stuck in bondage to, to sin or addiction? Are you in a, in a place where you're feeling unworthy, you're feeling worthless, you're feeling like an outcast? If you knew Jesus was nearby, what would you do? What, like, what, what, would, you, what would you do with that? With, would you go, just go about your normal day just continue to go on doing your thing, living your life the way you've been living it, hoping that somehow problems fix themselves, hoping that others will, will show mercy? Or, or would you cry out to Jesus? Son of David, take mercy on me. Take pity on me. I know who you are and I know what you can do. Have mercy on me. Bartimaeus cried out, was healed, received the gift that Jesus offered him, and then he followed him down the road. In another place in the Gospels, Gospel of Matthew, Jesus, Jesus talks about a road. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, 
and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. We read this verse, and we take a lot of hope in this verse because we're like, yeah, we're on the, we're on the right path. We've chosen to follow Jesus. We're on the right path. You guys, this is a wake-up verse, if there ever was a wake-up verse. Many will find the path that leads to destruction. Many will find the highway to hell because it's wider and it's easier to travel. Few will find the narrow path. Few will walk the road that's difficult to walk. Bartimaeus, he, he found that path. And he didn't just take what Jesus gave him. Because I think this is this, a lot of people do this, a lot of us do this, a lot of people have encountered Jesus and then they've done just that, right? They took his mercy, they took his healing, they took his power, his wisdom. And maybe they were grateful for it. Maybe they were sincerely grateful for what Jesus did in their life. But they didn't follow him. It matters. There's a big difference with how you respond to what Jesus does in your life, to the work that he does in your life, and I think so many of us in, in the society in today's culture are, are just looking for that. Jesus, just, just give me what you got. Just heal me, just fix this situation, just whatever. But after that, I'm not, I'm not willing to pick up my cross and carry you and follow you down that road. I just want the things that you have to offer. So what about, what about you? Because here's the, here's the truth, here's the reality, guys. Jesus is your savior. Jesus is your creator. Jesus is your master. Jesus is God. So are you willing to accept what he's offering and then follow him? Because he's calling to you. He's calling to you to come see him. And he wants to do a work in your life. Jesus wants to do a, a miracle and, and change in your life. And so do you stay on the sidelines? Do you just stay on the, on the, on the sidelines and, and you're kind of, you're paralyzed by your circumstances, by your fears, by your doubts, by your questions? You're on the sidelines and, and, and you're frozen? You're frozen in, the, in this place of, of, of fear? He's calling He's calling to you, and just like he did with Bartimaeus, just like he did in my life years ago, he wants to answer your questions. He wants to bring healing to the things that you're dealing with. He wants to bring hope into your life. But he wants you to pick up your cross and follow him after. He wants you to walk on that path. So what will you do? Will you stay on the sidelines? Or will you... Will you respond to this gracious invitation that, that Jesus is offering to, to come and receive his transforming work in your life and then follow him. Let's pray. God, I just, I'm so grateful for who you are. I'm so grateful for, for stories like this, God, that just, Again, I know for me, I just, I just glanced past that part. Like, it didn't even hit me. The Bartimaeus might have not had, we don't know. We don't know how many possessions he had. We don't know what he owned, but we know he, he had a coat. 
And we know that it gets cold at night where he lives. And he threw it away to run to you, God. God, it's just something that, God, that's so cool. That's such a cool part of this story, and it's such a challenge for us. What are we holding on to, God? What are our possessions? What are the things that we're turning into idols that we're holding on to, God? God, I pray that you would, you would move in our hearts. God, that you would help us to see those things are worthless. They can be lost. They don't go with us. They mean nothing, God. But your love for us, the sacrifice you made for us, you're calling to us, God. And I pray that we could be people who are listening, that we would hear, God, and that we would turn and come to you. God, we would accept the gift of whatever you are doing in our life, God, because your ways are better than our ways, God. Your plan is better than our plan. So move in us, God, make changes, work miracles. But then let us be people who, who, who don't stop there, but who follow you on the path, God, who, who take up our cross. We walk on that road with you. Thank you for who you are, God. Thank you for loving us enough to do what you did for us. Now, God, I know there's, there's people in this room who are struggling. God, I know there's people in this room who are, man, they're just feeling broken. They're feeling lost. They're feeling hopeless. The world's pretty, pretty awful right now, God. It's crazy. And so I lift them up to you, God. Whatever struggle it is, whatever they've got going on in their life, I pray that they would, they would be like Bartimaeus, God, that they would put everything aside and run to you. There's some things in life, God, that only you can provide. So let us look to you for those things, God, not to the world. Thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being a God who is worthy and deserving of our praise. All glory to you, God. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.